So there's a misconception that if you're single, you are incomplete, perhaps damaged, salvaged, and you won't be happy until you find your one. And that is not true. That is bullshit. It is a message that has been fed to us by media and advertising. The truth is, when you're single, you have the richest soil for growth. That's why I created this podcast. And unlike other podcasts, this one is host-driven, not guest-driven. That means I will be rotating health and wellness experts three times a week to give you the giant box of wellness crayons, not just the primary colors, so you can start building a meaningful life. It's time to give singlehood a cape. So today's host, Lindsay Burke, she and I go way back, back when I was working in addiction, residential, Malibu, driving my little motorcycle on PCH to help people with addiction, and she was on my team. I'm so happy that she is a part of this rotating host and experts for this podcast. Lindsay Burke is the founder of Lift Therapy, and she's a licensed therapist, behavior interventionist, coach, martial artist, yes, martial artist, a wife, a parent, and expert consultant on attachment, narcissism, and toxic relationships, as well as early childhood development. Yes, she does everything. And she believes that human connection is the best medicine and is committed to helping people heal by helping them develop healthy attachments with others. Her mission is to enhance the field of mental health by making support and resources more accessible to you in the form of psychoeducation, supportive programming, and individual therapy. Lindsay has served as a host for the Disney Plus show Reconnect and as an advisor and expert writer for various newspapers, podcasts, and radio shows such as the Chicago Tribune, Relation Up, P-Therapy, Life and Style Magazine, Pop Sugar, and on and on and on. She is very talented. She's a powerful catalyst, and I hope you enjoy. Well, I know you're going to enjoy and get so much out of her episode today. Hi, all. Lindsay Burke here, and I have the absolute pleasure of introducing you to the founder of Be Here and Now Relationship Academy and the Secure Love Creator Framework, Dalila Jusikla Burge. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist located in Southern California who focuses on relationship coaching for high achieving women, particularly, and I love this, over-functioning love seekers who struggle because they often wind up in dynamics with partners that want to see where it's going instead of working towards a committed relationship. And so she is a self-proclaimed political junkie who cannot survive without hiking as well. And I am just so excited to have you on our show today, Delilah. Thank you so much for being here. I'm excited as well. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. And first of all, I just want to dive in today because I love that you use this language of over-functioning love seekers. <laughs> I don't know how many of our listeners relate to that. I definitely relate to that. Um, can we just go ahead and start with you explaining what you mean by this? Well, over-functioning is like pretty much figuring out how to be, talk, and show up in order to maintain the relationship in this case. It's pretty much like kind of anxiety, How what anxiety causes cause us to do. So when things uh, don't work out in relationship, we start analyzing and thinking. We go into our head and try to figure out, you know, it's that survival mechanism. So 
But what happens is that because of trauma belie- beliefs, we internalize that our needs for closeness and love is too much or that we are not worthy of love. And so because of this, we are ashamed to kind of be in touch with those needs and say, hey, this is what I need. This is what I want. So we wind up over-functioning to see what's going on with the other person. Are they still mm. liking us? And so like that. So a lot of it has to do with, I'm kind of, it, it's somewhat self-explanatory, but it has a lot to do with the internal experience of feeling like you need to merge that distance, fill the gap that there's an unworthiness um, that needs to be made up for essentially that, you know, might be conscious, might be unconscious. Um, but they need to work a little harder in order to at least be perceived as worthy enough for a relationship. And and, and that's very yeah. true. Very often it's unconscious. Uh, it's not mm. unconscious. We, we see that we are doing it, but none of us thinks, oh, I'm unworthy of love. We all know, like in our head, that we are all worthy of love, you know, just like next person, right, <laughs> that you meet. You, because I know you're a wonderful person and you are worthy of love. But somehow when it comes to me, I have these urges. It's almost like automations of our nervous system that we mm. learn very early on. And, and that's how we show up in relationships. So some of these signs are that we self-sabotage in relationships in various ways. Uh, so we are ashamed of our needs or for connection. So we kind of, oh, yeah, of course I want love, but we can't express it. It's like we, we just stop uh, at when, it need, when we need to communicate that. Uh, so we, we also may struggle because we don't know what makes us happy exactly. Because all our life, we, we actually have been over-functioning to make ourselves more, more worthy of whatever it is, parental love, school, you know, uh, acknowledging us as good student, uh, work, <laughs> people telling us that we deserve, you know, praise. and You know, how would someone discern between going the extra mile and being high achieving and being ambitious, you know, that, that desire to, to, to do great and do and, and, and be great and, and, you know, feel confident and, and get excited about doing something that is high achieving versus essentially what you're talking about. Is, it sounds like is, is kind of a, a form of codependency, this over, these over-functioning behaviors, this unconsciousness that, you know, oftentimes when I, when I work with people who are kind of self-proclaimed perfectionists or there, there's an element of pride that also gets attached to these behaviors so they can become very defensive of this over-functioning because it has worked. It has served them in some kind of regard. So tell me a little bit why this is a problem, This these behaviors of over-functioning when it comes to intimate relationships. Why does, how can they discern between going out of their way because of love is worth it and because the person is worth it and showing how much they care and and being empathetic versus crossing over into that place where it's really coming from unworthiness how can they discern and and that's a great point you you kind of need to go to that place where does that come from 
Yes, my program and the way I think of love, that's the ultimate goal for you to love. It's like everything else like becomes secondary. So our ultimate joy in life is to love, you know, but we can't love from that insecure place. So we need to have that other person. Relationship takes two. And if you are over-functioning from that anxious place, you're going to come from your analyzing head and that serves you when you are analyzing oh. numbers for like if you are like analyzing your marketing numbers whatever your job is if you work in a, uh, like a in nuclear reactor and you need to be on top of things <laughs> <laughs> i want my nasa guys yeah. to be particular about their <laughs> But, or we uh, send a bunch of people to space. Make sure that engineering is is pretty yeah. clean. <laughs> yeah, the growth here isn't for these women or men or any anybody who is over functioning to be uh, so focused on how they need to be to be better. But it's rather mm. to figuring out what it is that works for me. So in, in instead of looking. Are they going to like me? It's like, oh, who am I going to like? What mm. do I need to like somebody? Obviously, the cognitive brain can check off these boxes of what a good partner looks like or what uh -huh. their ideal partner looks like. But we have to integrate it through how we feel when we're with them, how we feel in the relationship. That is so big. And I love that you use that phrase, that the... the the ultimate joy is being able to love and to deeply connect. And you can't do that if you're just checking off the boxes, if you're not fully present, if you're not fully engaged with right. who you are in the relationship, if you're so worried about being the prototype <laughs> with being the puzzle piece that they need, you can't fully embody receiving or giving love. Exactly. That's a great point. Because if you go to neuroscience about it, if you are, when you're analyzing, it's, uh, it's, you are in that almost trauma space. And when I say trauma, I use it, you know, broadly, I don't mean like this uh, real big T trauma. Sure, uh, sure. Right. So uh, I'm told, but it, there are some elements in which we dissociate and, op and, and have fight, flight, freeze, and phone responses in relationships. So if you are in this anxious state uh, of over-functioning, you cannot connect even socially. You know, your brain is just shuts down that social component and, and you go into this fight and flight mode. So you really don't connect socially. What to speak about emotional bonding? So in order to do that, you have to first know how to uh, regulate your emotions to be in that, we call it in trauma therapy, window of tolerance, like present here and now, and be able to be with this person. Just like for me now. I love I that. Oh, I need to present this so well, but then. You're stripping away the agenda, really. You're, there's right? no agenda. Yes, but then our conversation, when it flows naturally, kind of goes even better than whatever script I may have prepared there. Yes, yes, because it it's interactive at that point. It's yeah, yeah I I love two people and yeah. yes, it can be organic and in that sense, it 
it's actually creating something new in both of you. It's actually, you're creating something new together, which is a new dynamic. That is so beautiful. And, and stripping away that agenda, stripping away some of that, which as you mentioned, and I love that you said that there's often not a lot of insight. So this actually leads me right into my next question for you. Um, in my experience, there are kind of two major necessary aspects of, of our growth that are necessary in order to continue in the direction of alignment that serves our relationships. And the first one is the shifts that we make alone. Um, there's a lot of work that can be done how we invest in ourselves, mindset shifts in our growth, how we spend our time, who we spend our time with, where we put our focus and attention. And then the shifts that are obviously needing to be integrated into the dynamics that you have existing relationships. And like we're talking about these new relationships. So when we're talking about someone who's in that in-between stage, that they are either newly single or they don't have any prospects right now, but they do want a relationship and that is an ultimate goal. They want love. They want to connect, but they just don't have someone to practice with right now. They're not in that stage yet. What can they be doing at the, at that time and at that stage um, that they don't need to have a partner for to prepare for a healthy relationship, to prepare themselves to be able to begin to move out of that lack of insight into insight and self-awareness and openness and releasing some of the big T and little T trauma, right. as you put it. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, some of these will be overlapping because as you also, also mentioned in this questionnaire, we are never done our work, but I will, I, I kind of categorize them, what you can do while you're in between relationships. So these would be the questions. So why did I choose this person? You know, whenever, when you're analyzing your past relationships. So you need to see all the positives and negatives. What did I like about this person? And then what are some of the things that I don't want to repeat in the future relationships? So Ooh. at least when you go through this, you will know <laughs> what you, what to look for and how it looks in the future when, when you go through this process. And yes. one of the, important ones because we never address that uh what are my sec what are secondary gains uh that uh, that i had in these relationships that in, in this thing that didn't work out for me like for instance, can you explain that a little further what yeah. do you mean by secondary gains that's secondary, that's a that's a good one secondary gain is like uh when people we, we are unaware like say in codependent relationships uh, we are with an avoidant partner and we were attracted. You know, there are so many reasons why we were attracted uh, to that. I don't want to kind of go, my, my brain can go tangential at times. But uh, secondary gain is, uh, uh, let's say in this case, a part of me may be avoidant, even though it was bothering me that this person is avoidant and I needed this person to love me fully. But part of me really isn't ready to receive the love. So I stayed because like I stayed for that secondary kind of gain. Like I didn't need to be so vulnerable. I didn't need to grow. I could be kind of comfortable in that discomfort. Mm. Another example is like, yeah. I think that's so actually, I think that's so great. There's an element of, 
if I were with, it, it, it pokes at that worthiness part. If I'm hearing you correctly, right. it pokes at that. If I were to be with someone who was secure and not avoidant, for example, yeah. the version of me that I am right now might not be accepted by a secure person is, you know, or there's an anxiety around that. So versus avoidant, oh, I know how to participate in that dynamic. I know how to play that game. Daddy was avoidant or, or mom right. was avoidant. Right. So I, you know, my four exes were avoidant. I know how to compensate for that. But if, if they were secure, uh, then, you know, I would have to show up differently and that's yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. That's yeah. just one example. I mean, we, we do so many things with secondary gain without even realizing and continuing life. Why did I stay in such and such relationship? We may, you know, we may even be aware of some of the reasons, but that's not what we are talking about here. So that's sure. that's the first thing. So make make peace with past relationships. This is the first thing that we do. Uh, one of these things uh, while we are single. The second thing that I recommend is mm. shift your positioning when you are out there in a relationship and that, that kind of practice this. Rem remember that you are, uh, like I use the uh, I use the term, uh, generous queen of hearts. Uh, mm. so, <laughs> so you have the most valuable gift that you want to give to somebody and then you need to discern carefully who is the recipient your gift your gifts are two gifts actually your time and your heart there is nothing mm. that you can offer to somebody that's more valuable in this world in my opinion the way i see the world and life mm. so, oh that's really good so there's an element of what you're saying is is really taking time to analyze and assess what you have to offer the relationship and, and, you know, this really tuning into the value of your love and letting that, letting yeah. that be already so much in separate from your money or your cooking or your, you know, <laughs> your right. child rearing or the, all these other skills <laughs> you might bring to the table or all these other assets that you bring to the table to really know that your love, to hold that as the most valuable thing that you're offering. Yes. That and, is so big. That is big. That is big. And we are just like, we, we, are, we just don't connect with it because we go into this with a notion that, you know, I need to make myself, how do I make myself likable to, to them? But you're already, you and you need somebody to love you for you, not for some imaginary version of yourself. You are not going to be happy. Yeah. So when things don't work out then later with some people, they will not. And it's good that they're not. It's, you know, think of like a, it's a crude example. Like take a person who sells Toyota cars versus, or any other car, versus person who sells Ferraris. The Ferrari yeah. salesman doesn't think, oh, my God, you know, 17 people bought Toyota, but not a Ferrari. They know <laughs> that yes. something different, right? <laughs> oh, that's a great example. 
That's such a great, it's already knowing the inherent value of what you have. Like I've got something good here. I, yes. Well, and, and I love, I, I mean, you phrase that so beautifully, bringing that attention and that focus back on, I mean, it reminds me of Mr. Rogers, you know, his song that's, it's you I like, not the things you wear, not the way you do your hair, but it's just that it's, it's you. There's no one else like you is the whole point of the song. And it's just, we forget that when we're dating, that it's, it's you, it's not, you know, what you bring, there's something about you that's an element they'll never get anywhere else. And there's inherent deep value in that. And, and sometimes we think it's so hippy dippy. It's so hard to kind of organically encapsulate when we're talking about love and relationships, but we all know what that feels like because you think about, and I'm sure you and I could get into parent attachments till the cows come home. Um, but we think about how much we wanted our parents to just love us unconditionally, how much our parents can be so deeply ridiculous and embarrassing and flawed and, you know, and at the same time, how deeply we crave, you know, to just be seen and how deeply we, we, you know, if we've ever felt that feeling towards someone else, loving someone, despite all of everything else, despite all of their flaws, how much we just, it's who they are that can't be replaced, that I think most of us can relate to, to a certain degree. And I'm so glad you bring that attention and that reminder, you know, to the table. It's not just the techniques of dating and how to communicate and how to send a text and how to, mm -hmm. it's, you've got to start with embodying that, that inner self-worth. And I mean, from there, all the texts and everything else comes, you know, comes easier. You don't need, you know, you don't need to, you don't need fake. But uh, what you said yeah. uh, is very important right now. We all seek that missing experience from childhood. We, we hope to find a partner that will uh, replace mm. and uh, compensate for what our parents missed. And then we are afraid to show up. You know, we don't know what it looks like. We don't know what, how it feels to be loved like, like that. Uh, yes. We are unaware. But so that, that's the work we need to do to figure out that missing experience and what we are looking for. And then teach yes. our partner what that is. You know, in, it's not like taking a, you know, standing in front of in front of a blackboard and teaching him but sure sure well and again it requires you being in tune with your body and your yeah. self-worth and being really embodied in this feels good and this doesn't feel good and to be able to discern that so you you have to know it first in order to communicate that with your partner you have so, to be able to right sorry I yeah can't. Uh, so th there was this couple more that you, you can do before starting. So uh, the third one is know what you want, how to recognize it, how it feels to be in a good relationship. A reference points can be a pet, even a grandparent. It's that safety, security and being completely loved the way you are, you know, that experience mm -hmm. and you know, of course, add to that romantic feeling. So it's very com more complex. Romantic relationships are the most complex. But in that regard, so... Uh, to focus on those reference points, that's a really good 
way of phrasing that to where those maybe not people because there might have been good points and bad points but they're you know and but there but moments when you felt so unconditionally regarded and loved and secure and it's almost what was happening it's funny because secure people sometimes are so like they, they come to me like they have no idea what i'm talking about you know because they're secure like when my grandma loved me right securely it wasn't like oh my god it felt like rainbows and you know mm-hmm. and this it just like it was just like nothing it's like because it was it's peaceful it was peaceful and yes of anxiety and trembling and like wondering and like those kind of moments there's no conflict right? <laughs> there's no conflict it just feels normal yeah so that's yes. kind of like what we need to remember and feel that and 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 uh, relish that memory uh, and if you have still those relationships and even with your with people that you have um by the way yeah that's another point that you don't necessarily have a certain type of attachment you may have different attachment style with different people so even with people that you had maybe insecure attachment there are moments when there was these you know secure moments even with your parents that might be you know difficult <laughs> i hope that that makes sense absolutely we have that you're good enough you know and and nobody said oh i'm good enough you know with my grandma but it's just kind of what you don't say like i'm not anxious i'm not uh, not enough, you know, so. Yes, yes, that you're at peace. And uh, that's beautifully said because that's hard to, it is hard to identify. Um, but we, I think most have felt a, a little bit of that. And we can think of people who've of created those moments mm-hmm. for us. So that's so big. And that's really good work to do because that is what you're looking for. And you say, so once someone decides to get out there, they're ready to date. Um, they're looking, they're, they're answering the calls and the texts and they're starting to set up um, dinners. You say that part of your mission is to help women better identify a secure love creator. Again, I love your terminology there, that someone who's able and capable, doesn't mean they do it perfectly all the time, but they're right. capable of, of, creating and maintaining a secure dynamic, at least a good bit of the time, most of the time. For many of those who come from homes, you know, that are more anxious, avoidant, ambivalent, dismissive, disorganized attachment styles um, from caregivers. um, And for listeners who don't know those concepts, essentially more immature and emotionally unstable parents who have a lot of their own unresolved trauma. So they just cannot model um, or or manage big feelings of, for their children when they're young. And so if you experience some of that, uh, it's hard to even know what secure looks like or what it feels like if you haven't had a lot of those models. Could you break this down a little bit more for us, how someone would know they're with someone who's more secure? What would the dynamic feel more like? What, what would their behavior look more like? Well, I kind of, as much as I, study attachment and uh, like that framework, I don't want our audience to go into all categorizations and say, oh, he is 
avoidant with a dose of such and such, you know. <laughs> <laughs> to try to do their own diagnosing. Right? Sure. Going into that headspace. Like, it's always like, as you, as we talked about, go back to yourself and how you mm. felt with your grandma, in my case, and, you know, your pet and your father, mother, whoever was that good caretaker, or at times, at least, they were good caretaker. Um, so it's uh, basically... Uh, it's all go going back to yourself. So instead of being in that headspace and categorizing, I recommend doing that. So uh, you want, mm -hmm. just like we want good enough parent, right? We can be with a relationship ready person, whatever their attachment style background was. And, and again, remember, they may have uh, avoidant attachment with their mother, but they are good with their father or grandma or something. So we can, right. without, with our uh, kind of groundedness, we can easily, uh, not easily, but <laughs> easier at, uh, attract people who kind of are attracted to that safety and security that we have with ourselves and then that we can project uh, out and invite that and choose you know we are also we can also be active not just this helpless you know person who from moment to moment exactly that's so, so Delilah, that's so that's so empowering because I, I it just makes me think of in the moment as opposed to saying ah you're being avoidant or you're being this or oh right. good you're secure now but in the moment in the at interaction being as present as that as you say and yeah. You know, when you do that, it just makes me feel so safe being able to identify it then and to be able to communicate that. By communicating mm -hmm. your goals, needs and boundaries, you will naturally repel those that are not right for you and attract those that are right for you. It, it becomes so much easier. It's kind of like... Oh my gosh. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> The, the, the Preach, they're not going to stay if you're like, hey, this makes me uncomfortable or hey, I don't like how you're treating me in this circumstance or, you know, this I'm, you know, this is overwhelming or I feel this way. Someone who has poor boundaries or who can't align with that, who isn't secure is naturally not going to be able to stick. They're not going to be able to stay in that grounded space you're creating. And then, you know, as, as you continue the association dating with this person you know i don't want to call it a relationship yet but then you can observe how they react to you and and then you're going to mm. see are they more on the safe side and most importantly are they the right person for you so do they respect your boundaries when you set them and you say hey i want to take this slow are they going to be somebody who will lash out at you and say, oh, you're not worthy, you're not even cute, you know. There are people who are literally going to lash out at you like that. And you can say, okay, goodbye. It was nice All right. meeting you. Thank you, you for right? clarifying that for me. <laughs> right. um, I love that. Do they care about your needs when you say, you know, uh, I'm, I thought you liked me, but you never call me. What's up with that? You know, it's like, and they're going to be, oh. They may be somebody who is also over-functioning, like, I don't want to call you too often. I don't want to sound as needy, right? They can be like, let me make sure I don't mess this up. So when you communicate that, you allow 
this person to feel also comfortable because you're open. They know what to expect from you. If you want secure, lasting, you know, connection, and then you will see, oh, okay, she likes, you know, that I call her more often. So that's going to be a very good indication for you that this is something good to pursue, perhaps. And uh, do they want the same as you? Simple, like, if you... You know, I'm talking about relationships. Uh, do you do they also want the same commitment, or do they just want to take it to see where it goes? You know, mm. uh, for most of my clients, this is kind of the biggest pain. Uh, you know, to see meeting people. Oh, let's see where it takes us, and then they're just very shy to say, and then they kind of smile, but they are swallowing you know anxiety here like an, oh yeah let's do that you know but like oh they they go home with a you know heart that's uh what's the word like so like tight and yeah sad and yeah. then <laughs> observe so that that's one so communication is the first thing that will help you discern and then Observe how the relationship is progressing. So, is it emotional roller coaster of ups and downs? Like, mm. you know, when you see me and you call me and we are we have the greatest times, or is it, you know, a consistency? So it needs to be consistency if you want to secure. And and then if there is a little bit of push and pull, right? You can always communicate, go back to that wonderful tool, communication and setting your boundaries and saying, hey, this isn't what I'm looking for. Like I told my current husband, it's so funny, it's my second husband, so it's it's my uh, husband. Got double the uh, practice. Right. <laughs> I, I told him, hey, when I saw the signs of that, kind of like, and it doesn't need to be, your partner it could be you there is anxiety when relationship is settling when things are becoming more comfortable so there is no that excitement of the first you know uh moment when they pursue you more so i said you know uh i'm noticing that as as i'm growing more attached to you that you are not uh, uh that, that you're kind of withdrawing a little bit and it makes me wonder are you one of those people who become kind of uh, disinterested in people who are interested in them and if that's you i said i don't want to do this kind of dance i'm done I, i've done that in the past so and he got that message it was you know it wasn't a problem for me anymore so you have to be brave to speak up for yourself and and that's know. a great example and to listen to say okay this thing that's happening is making me uncomfortable and i need to be able to say that i need to be yeah. able to talk about that and having the courage yeah. to talk about it yeah. creates a you know either awareness on their part of something maybe unconscious that they're doing um that they aren't intending to do or it clarifies someone's level of investment and what they're capable of offering you um, in the relationship. So either way, which is scary because to a degree you're left with whatever result does arise. Yeah. And, and, and that's very important, you know, to, to uh, that's a very important point 
Because if you're free expressing yourself, then you're going to get your partner to also express themselves easier because they will feel safer. When you set boundaries with your partner, they will feel safer in your company. Because they, they can see that you take care of yourself and they then that's don't. so counterintuitive right yes yes but it's that's... very you know it's kind of like you you take care of you you got you you're on you know you, you got yourself you you are like making sure that i got somebody who is right for me so that person yeah. doesn't need to feel that they need to walk on eggshells around you and not because you're going to speak up for yourself you know and you're There's some self-responsibility. Sure yes. I, I, you know, it's, I've, I'm shocked. I've, I've never thought about that. That's because I'm telling parents that all the time when it comes to yeah. setting boundaries and being assertive, this idea of, you know, saying, okay, this is what the parameters are and really sticking to those when it comes to, you know, setting a boundary with your children and saying, nope, we can't go over there and, and hanging to that. It builds trust. And even if your child has a meltdown and they don't like it and they push up against it, the value is actually holding that boundary and saying, nope, because when you say, when you follow through on what you say, it builds that trust. And then they know also when you say, I love you, it's true. There's no yeah. trying to coerce or manipulate or, you know, there's that when I say, this is the boundary. It's true. When I say I love you, it's true. But how I mean, I can't believe I never thought about that when it comes to the relationships too. It, ideally, I mean, you think that obviously a children, a child having a meltdown because they didn't like that they couldn't have a popsicle for breakfast. Um, you know that initially you're going to have that pushback, which you might have in a relationship as well in an intimate relationship. Um, but I love that you actually bring up that value that um the importance of saying that hard thing and holding that hard boundary because it actually sets the parameters for the other person so that they know what the expectations are and That's it's clear it. and you aren't being tricky or sneaky or you know yeah. they they're very clear on and on what you need and then they can relax into themselves and into the dynamic knowing mm -hmm. very clearly what those lines are you you beautifully kind of added to that saying that they see that you're not tricky you know like oh okay i can relax you know there is nothing because if they see that you're afraid whether it's of them or something else you're afraid to speak up then like your anxiety causes them to kind of feel that it's kind of like transference you know in therapy yes so it's like Ooh, what is this you know so, yes Oh, that's yes, that is beautiful. And I, I've said that again, it's related this idea of even codependency is it, it, it actually involves a lot, a lot of manipulative behaviors. People think codependence or that this again, I, I'm, I'm, I don't always like all of these phrases because we everybody has their own yeah, yeah. box of characteristics that they put these ideas yeah. into. But this idea of um kind of being the martyr in the relationship or the the victim in the relationship it again when you set these boundaries it allows you to take responsibility for your own health well-being and your own happiness and your own sense of peace um which actually takes the responsibility off them but it also is feeding this dynamic of wanting a a trusting relationship 
this foundation of security is based on this trust, which is I will take care of myself and I will also communicate my needs openly and honestly with you. I'm not going to manipulate you or trick you into thinking that you're okay when we're not, or that, you know, things are good when they're not, or that I'm happy when I'm not in order to preserve attachment and connection and access to you. I'm not going to try to trick or manipulate us into staying together because that doesn't feel good. And I think that's a perfect example of ways we can sabotage a relationship from a good place. But wow, yeah, that absolutely makes makes perfect sense. Well, and again, you know, going, adding to that, I mean, what are other ways that you often find that these, you know, women who are, and, and sometimes men, I'm sure you work with, you've worked with many men too, but I know you predominantly focus on the females uh, in the relationship um, when they are over-functioning. How do you find that many of these women are accidentally sabotaging even secure relationships um, and and relatively healthy relationships by over-functioning and by engaging mm -hmm. in these dynamics? How, how do we sabotage relationships? So this is for everybody, you know, but many of my, uh, this one is for most of my audience, uh, people with anxious tendencies, anxious attachment tendencies, uh, they often attach too soon to the first person that they have like this connection, you know, they have this decent connection, they're attracted to them, and then they latch on to this first person uh, because, you know, and often they're attracted to an avoidant person. Hmm. And, yeah. And um, so uh, they also may be repelled by people who are ready possibly to love them in the ways that they need to be loved. Why so would that be? <laughs> um, yeah, why well, does that, I, I've seen it happen and I've definitely been there myself. Yeah, and yeah. why does that happen? Yeah, what is it about that? I think that's well, so important that even if someone is secure, you might have someone who's secure and you actually either repel them or you're not able to... Well, Remember conversation about uh, grandma, uh, consistent mm. reinforcement, right? Love is available. So it's not kind of, uh, it doesn't, it's not so addictive, but uh, that uh, reinforcement schedule of intermittent reinforcement schedule of, let's say your father that's unavailable and like I'm just saying mm. as an example, but that's very often the example, you know, uh, who or mother can be uh, that uh, that's inconsistent yeah. that becomes very addictive and then we go into that mode of kind of trying to earn that love and it's so addictive you know so oh that's so big so it's that idea of uh, i got grandma grandma i'm good with grandma right so, so you don't need to worry about that right <laughs> yeah i don't need to invest or work hard for that love because that's safe but this other person there's something about yes being a which i think everybody can relate to to a certain degree look at how we are with our family members and then how we put on you know our niceties with <laughs> with total strangers and the neighbors and hi, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, I mean, there's a, something biological about that, but you can get caught in it. You can get caught in not being aware that you're participating in this. 
and then you you wind up in this place of oh my god when it's so good it is so good but if you cannot think about it it's really not so good it's just that you are like so high from this cycle you know but then when it's bad you know i don't know if you remember from our class yes. about drugs so when you take dop when you take uh, not dopamine when you take uh, cocaine right cocaine yes so high like the mouse and, and the lever right and then your your normal is here and then when it goes when you come down like you're way down on the floor right like so that's what i would compare that, it with that disparity that right but this addictiveness it isn't so great i can enjoy my secure love and have joyous times on a sunday morning this is what security looks like with my husband drinking coffee and doing nothing it's kind of like having these lovely warm slippers on your feet you know that's that feeling but then we can also go for a trip and enjoy this and that right so nothing can compensate that sense of inner well-being together and feeling good that's so good so really being aware of that basis of comparison because you're not comparing what dad for example who's gone on all these trips is offering versus what grandma is offering because if you really were to compare them it's very similar what you're basing it off of is grandma always gives me that i almost never get this from dad and yeah. so that disparity is what creates yeah. this intensity yeah. of it being rare and special. So it must be more. And that's not necessarily yeah. an accurate portrayal of the level of, of goodness it provides you and, and f fulfillment that it provides you. It's actually um, a little bit of a, a little bit of a mind trick. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you can get illusion. that. It's an illusion. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I can think of now, like when I see some people that are like, uh, like that kind of, those kinds of people, those kinds. Of, I mean, we are, we are, we're all at some point, those kinds of people, right? Sure. Uh, sure. But those people that I used to be attracted to, it's like, to me right now, it's like, oh my God, I, I can, I so wouldn't be interested in a person. Like I that. love that you say that it's not even attractive anymore because you right, can, right. you see it, you, your, your lens has shifted. Yeah. But it what took practice? What how did you what kind of practice helped you get to that state um, to be able to to shift your lens with regards to that to be able to see it differently? Did, do you remember the progression <laughs> of moving from that place of being head over heels to oh? <laughs> right. um, well, there are a couple of things that. I mean, I, I provide to my clients so many of these things. I haven't finished these, like, things that I started talking, but I can get back oh. to that. But what practice, sure. what helped me is one of my friends told me this thing that I told you before. Like, I said, oh, my God, I'm divorcing. I was I was over 40, you know, and it's so funny. I went to my mom and said, hey, mom, I'm getting a divorce. <gasps> and then she was like, Oh my God, like, who's going to want you now? Like, like I can talk. And then it became so clear to me, like, this is her fear from her life and her, whatever she wanted to do or didn't want to do, like her fears of 
like woman over 40, nobody would want you, right? And I'm like, why wouldn't somebody want me, mom, right? <laughs> like, you know, so, but for her at that time, when she was in her 40s, that was seen so much differently, right? Nobody was divorcing back then in my country. But uh, back to my friends say, why do you need, why, why do you worry about if they will like you? You know, you need to go and look if you're going to like them. And it's like, such an interesting statement i feel i mean sorry for everybody i will say this men have this better you know they have yes. this mindset <laughs> yes so, they they've done a lot better in this arena yes right. they, they're going out there for what they want and for what they're looking for how they want it to be and we're like oh will somebody like me am i a pretty enough flower that somebody will hopefully see in the bushes of different flowers, you know, and notice me. So that kind of changed. So uh, I said, hey, you know, F it, I'm over 40. I can do whatever the heck I want. I can talk to whomever I want. And, you know, I can go after what I want. And and mm. that's kind of what changed for me. That, that moment, it's so funny that there is a moment of aha. That mm, I don't for you. worry, worried, but I need to kind of look out for what I want. That so it's switched. I am worthy. I am lovable. I, I do have something to offer a relationship. Right. And yes, and then I want to be able to to find something that actually provides mm -hmm. and, and serves me in, in return. And yeah, I hope so that like, some of these conversations will give our audience at least a couple of those ahas that can help them shift those, these small shifts can make big difference. Asking yourself right questions can take you where you want yes. to go, not pondering and analyzing and figuring it out. You know. Or playing any particular game. It's really coming yeah. back to yourself. Yes. I love that. And you said you had a few other points yeah, like uh, of these uh, self-sabotaging, as you said. So they repel. So uh, we, we talked about that. So there is one attaching too soon, repelling people that are good for you. Uh, also a big one, uh, especially for also anxious, but uh, this is good thing for everybody. Allowing the relationship to progress too quickly. Okay, think mm. of yourself. As a chariot driver, you are holding reins. Think of the person who pursues you as wild horses. Four, five horses that are uh, in a chariot and think of your relationship as a chariot. Mm. When you allow that relationship to go too fast, you all wind up crashed <laughs> somewhere in a ravine. Not right. So it's a delicate kind of balance of... Well, just slow it down, you know, just like hold it. Okay, like I need to slow down. For anxious people, they need to do it more consciously and say, you know, uh, I need to slow it down. I need to slow down my attachment as well as the relationship because the person that's possibly avoidant, most likely if you're anxious, uh, they, will, they will want to kind of run quickly like those horses at the beginning but then when you get there it's going to be 
like we came here too quickly. What the hell? I don't like, I'm not ready for this. So mm. you need to, for everybody's safety. And I'm talking to you. I can't talk to everybody. I'm talking to you in your relationship. Yes. Just slow it down. Right. And for yeah. avoidance people, like um, you need to also kind of keep being aware that you have right to slow it down. You can allow that person to show to you that they are worthy of giving your heart because there's so many people that were in abusive relationships and that's why they become so like avoidant you know it's not necessarily from attachment and even women so this is one thing that i also wanted to say we are so much kind of hung up on this attachment that people may go and self-diagnose as i'm like disorganized attachment but we have all of these strategies we have both avoidant because think of yes. how many women went through abusive relationship, not maybe in my life, but maybe my mother, uh, grandmother, or women in the past centuries of being dependent. So we are now independent and we are kind of latching on to that as well while we want a relationship. So that may come across as this disorganized attachment, but I think it's misdiagnosing it. I think it's kind of... Sure you know rather trauma generational trauma response and adaptive interesting yeah there's an element of now trying to recalibrate how do i have an interdependent relationship without yeah. being avoidant or dependent or you know that it's really um it, finding you know finding your balance in it that's so big that's so big and then and that it can it can push away relationships if we haven't really found that centered place yeah, yet. So you may be kind of going back and forth with, between both of these tendencies. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, and you know when when people are engaged in dating, um, you know some some really struggle, and I get this all the time in in my sessions. Um, when do we call it quits? Where is that balance between saying, okay, this is beyond repair. This isn't a good fit. This is not healthy for me. Um, versus hanging in there and holding on and acknowledging maybe this is a harder season, or maybe this is some of our stuff that we need to work out. How can someone really discern between their stuff and their trauma and the baggage and, you know, what they're projecting onto the relationship dynamic or am I being avoidant or am I being too anxious um, and up against the wall um, versus, you know, this isn't right for me. How, how yeah, do you um, help women I, come to that? Yeah. I don't want to tell anybody any specific uh, like st categories of like any, you know, uh, things that they need to look out for in other words i have my uh my what's the word criteria yeah that's the word i just missed a word in my <laughs> yeah like your own non-negotiables you already have developed right. your own yeah <laughs> yeah you have to kind of find that for yourself and uh yeah. so there are two things actually three things that i want to tell you first one is remember you are not going to be able to change your partner just Take that as an axiomatic truth. You know, you are not going to mm. be able to change your partner. Do not count on that. Do not try that. 
Not that people don't change for love and for us, but if you go with that agenda, just forget that, please, uh, because it's just going to lead both of you to misery and relation. You know, that's not your job. You're going to create completely different dynamic instead of uh, this conjugal love, you know, romantic love, you're going to wind up in some kind of therapist client, you know, dynamic or mother, father, daughter, son dynamic or whatever, you know, else mentor and mentee dynamic. So don't, yes. you know, you're going to lose elements of romantic relationship. Uh, so that said, ask yourself this question. Okay. This awakens people. This kind of makes people like, Ooh, like, like I it's uncomfortable. <laughs> If in five years everything stays the same, can I be happy in this relationship? <laughs> what do I need? What do I need from this relationship to be happy? Now there is a caveat. Do not ask you this. Do not ask yourself this question if you are like if you are unhappy in general with everything else in your life. If you have depression, you're going through something. You're going through some kind of transition and you're just like so not kind of grounded. Handle those issues first and then sure. start discerning. It's kind of like that's don't good go discernment though. When you're hungry, right? Don't go shopping when you're when you are hungry. Right. Don't make decisions, you know, when you are angry and stuff like that. <laughs> or when right. So, yeah, like if you're grieving, you know, right. and you're having trouble in all of your relationships, or if you're in postpartum and you're right now yeah. feeling a lot of hormonal shifts and, and you know, the, there's good. But if, if you're noticing in this other areas of your life, you feel really secure and stable, but there's something that isn't fitting about this relationship, then asking that question of, in five years, <laughs> which is just far enough. It's long enough for, I think, all of us to get like that. Oh, that's a long time to put up with this bullshit. <laughs> to say if something didn't shift either about myself and about my life or about this dynamic, it would be intolerable to imagine. But with another caveat. Uh-oh don't like don't make a mistake just like okay done like don't be kind of like doing it try to make it work not in an over-functioning sense but express your needs boundaries you know seek some help maybe mm. this person doesn't know maybe you know because in a relationship that doesn't work it could be us too you know that we i've seen i, I mean so many of my clients like uh, didn't express their boundaries, they didn't express their needs. And then when things don't work out, their partner is just kind of clueless, you know. You are a part of this. So you need to do really good. Yeah. In its own way, I mean, that's kind of what we were talking about, ways in which you can accidentally sabotage the dynamic is yeah. you're not even, yes. before they even have a chance to say, oh, actually, I didn't realize that was something that mattered that much to you. Or to say, oh, that's an easy change for me to make. Or, oh, we could work through that. Or even some compromise in between that would be a much better situation for you both. Um, 
you set you could sabotage it by just assuming they can't do that they won't do that so i'm just going to go ahead and cut things off here so to have or that conversation first yeah and and you i mean conversation means more than just one conversation and you may be somebody mm -hmm. oh but i told him so many times but like you know if you told somebody so many times like oh you are always like this or you're never like this and then this person is like buy you then with me if i'm such a horrible person right like it just doesn't reach you know you you create this fight and flight it doesn't reach mm -hmm. that connection you're just like aggravating each other's nervous system mm. by you know you're like attacking and the person is on defense and then they attack you too so it's just not gonna work if your communication is like that if you think that that's communication and you said what you mm. Oh yeah, I, and I call that drive-bys when you're hitting them with drive-bys all the time. But yeah, I had a, a mentor who told me, whenever you need to have an important conversation that really is a game changer, that's like a deal breaker, major conversation, this is a big deal to you, you make an appointment, you schedule an yeah. appointment. <laughs> we need to yeah. sit down, it's important to me, it gives them time to be emotionally prepared for whatever big news it is. And, but it also emphasizes you know how important it is and it forces them to think about it in that kind of frame of mind versus oh she's just in a bad right. mood right now or she's just right. she's just at, at you know down my throat today about something yeah. that's oh that's a good distinction that's a really really good advice dalila this has been absolutely fantastic it is time for us to bring this to an end but oh my gosh i just um got so much out of this this episode today thank you so much for being on the show and sharing this invaluable wisdom i think you just really hit the you know you know you hit the nail on what really matters at the root of developing more self-worth and 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 bringing the 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 version of yourself that you want to be present um, to a relationship dynamic that will allow for someone else to be able to, to love you in that way in return and to love who you are and accept who you are. And, um, oh, I, I mean, just techniques aside and strategies and, you know, text conversations. I mean, I think you really just, um, nailed the, the, the root of it all, which is ultimately we find so much joy and love. And, mm -hmm. and we want to keep the focus on, on that, that that's what it's all about. And um, so beautiful for listeners out there, you can follow Dalila on Facebook and Instagram at independent women rule and DM her directly. If you'd like to work with her uh, as well, she is currently offering a group coaching program for high achieving women who want to end this as you put it, a situationship cycle that they continue to get themselves into and who are ready to meet partners who will clearly demonstrate their intentions. And, and so they can start moving forward with that. Her ultimate goal is uh, in this program that you never feel like you have to convince someone that you're worthy of commitment. Um, so if you're interested in reach out to her and, oh man, I wish I had you in my life two decades ago. <laughs> so valuable. 
Yeah. Oh, if only hindsight, right? But, you know, even for those in relationships and in established relationships, this work is constant and it's ongoing. Yeah. And it, it, these were such good reminders for me. I just have the chills, um, to, to remember how I show up in my dynamics, um, with everyone really. Um, but that this is at the core of it all. And especially when we want to connect these types of relationships that are really secure and healthy, um, that we have, you really empower women, um, to, to, to bring themselves to the table and, and to feel their worth in, in that being already a wonderfully beautiful thing. So I, I'm just so grateful for you. So guys, check out her workshop and thank you all for listening. Again, I'm Lindsay Burke and you can follow me at Lift Therapy. Have an awesome week, you guys. And I look forward to connecting with you all again next time. I hope that episode was helpful. Hey, listen, if you want to share your singlehood journey, if you've gone somewhere, come back. If you have revelations and wisdom, please share your story. It's going to help other people. Nothing makes us feel more connected than hearing other people's stories. So just send me the audio of your story and you can just record it directly from your phone and email it to theangrytherapist at gmail.com. Also, if you want our Single on Purpose newsletter, go to singleonpurpose.life. That's singleonpurpose.life. You will get tools and articles and other people's stories and also uh, zoom links to private gathers so if you want to join our community go to singleonpurpose.life thank you for listening be well we hope you tell a friend hey before you go i want to invite you to the single on purpose private community online it's off of social media no ads no algorithms we got forums we got live groups we got webinars and we have social hangs we also have offline in-person hangs happening soon so check us out go to singleonpurpose.life that's singleonpurpose.life and i will see you inside